This is our last week of Life on Mission. This has been a really good series for us. I, I hope it's been good for you. This has been, to me, it's been unpacking one of the core things that we're about as a church. So even though it's a series and it's going to be done this week, it's really not done. Because this is something that, it's just what we do together as a church. We help people get connected to, to Jesus and to each other through Jesus. So this is just what we do, is who we are. The last thing Jesus said before he left the planet, this is in Acts in the Bible, Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Okay, so what does a witness do? If you're called into court and you have to testify, you're on the stand, what do you do? You've got to tell the truth. You've got to speak. And Jesus says, I want you to tell the truth about me. Tell people what the Bible says about me. Tell people what I have done in your life. Just tell your story so that other people can also be connected to Jesus it's one thing to know what Jesus expects from us. It's another thing to actually do it. And I'm not trying to put guilt on you, but, and I'm not going to ask you to show your hand. It's one thing to know that Jesus says, I want you to be my witness. It's another thing to actually do it. I'm going to give you a quote from a girl named Jennifer Johnson. She's a Christian. She's an author. Listen to her. See if you can relate to what she wrote. I've been a Christian for 28 years, and I have not led anyone to Christ. It's painful to admit that. My good friends don't even... My friends who aren't Christians, they know that I am a Christian. I have never brought anyone into a relationship with Jesus. I don't like that, but it's true. Again, you don't have to raise your hand, but can you relate to what she says? If you can, you're in good company. Two years ago, the Barna Research Group did a study, and they asked Christians, do you agree or disagree with this statement? And the statement was, I personally have a responsibility to tell other people my religious beliefs. You want to know how many people said they agree with that? 100%. 100% of Christians say, I have an obligation to tell people about my beliefs. How many do you think have actually done it in the last year, according to the study? Less than 50%. Which means a lot of us know what the mission is, and a lot of us are not doing the mission. So that's what this series has been about. It's saying, it's one thing just to tell you, you should be doing this. You should be talking to people about Jesus. It's another thing to know how to do that, and what to do, and where do you start. So we're putting strategy behind this. So the first week we talked about how important it is to connect with people you can't share Jesus with people you don't even know. And I'm not just talking about us as Christians. I'm talking about in American culture, we have just become more and more isolated from each other. And so we can just say, we're going to change that. We're going to be connected to people. And then we go the next step and we serve them. No strings attached. People aren't projects. We're not going to be weird. Um, we're not going to say like, okay, I'm only going to be your friend if you become a Christian. Like why? God just says this is just a, what a decent human being does. You love God and you love your neighbors as you love yourself. So this is start, step one and step two. Are you connecting with people? Again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to feel a little bit of uh, urgency behind this. I'm not trying to guilt you into it, but I'm kind of like your coach saying, come on, this is what we do. So are you praying for opportunities? Are you looking for neighbors that you don't know that you can connect with? Um, hopefully I can give you some more ideas about that today. So then we serve them, and then hopefully the door opens, and they want to know why we believe what we believe, and we can share. Have you been writing your story? If you don't know what I'm talking about in some of these, because you missed that week, go back and get the podcast and listen, because this is like who we are. So we connect, and we serve, and we share. Last week, we talked about growth and how it's each of us, our responsibility to help each other grow in our faith. It's not just my job. It's not just Brian Heinrich's job. That we together as a church, we can help each other grow stronger in our faith, and we can become more like Jesus together. So that's what we're doing. Today we're going to talk about prayer. It's the last part of this. And you might be thinking, dude, seriously, Brian? Prayer seems pretty important. Don't you think maybe you should have started with prayer? And I hear what you're saying if you're thinking that. But I believe that we've got to actually know what we're up against before we realize how much we need prayer. 
Because when you think about, I've got to connect with people and share my faith with them. Gosh, I need help. Yes, that's why we're going to pray. Now, we talk about prayer here. I want to talk about Jesus for a second. You think about what Jesus did. When he was 30 years old, he started going around preaching and teaching. I don't know if you knew that. That's how old he was when he officially started his ministry. And he went to towns and he went to villages. Anywhere there were a gathering of people, he would go to the synagogue and he would start telling them, the kingdom of God is here and you can be a part of it. All you have to do is repent and come in. And then he would prove that the kingdom of God is here by fixing things, healing diseases, uh, teaching really well, casting out demons, feeding hungry people. He was just like this amazing thing. And everybody's like, God really is among us. And Jesus would look at these people who were just hungering for what he was offering, and he would sometimes tell his closest disciples, guys, would you look at these people? And he just had such compassion in his heart for them. It's like, they are a mess. And he'd say, they're like sheep without a shepherd. There's no one leading them and taking care of them. Then he would look at his closest disciples, his students, and he would say to them, you guys need to do something about this. Two different occasions. I'm going to read this out of Luke chapter 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He's comparing all these people to like crops in the field. He says, like, they're hurting, but they want to know God. We need people out there working to bring them in. So what, would, what I would think Jesus would have said next is, all right, the workers are few, so guys, get out there and do something. But that's not what he said. He actually said the harvest is great, but the workers are few, so... Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. So what Jesus is saying is the starting line for our mission is prayer. Even though we're talking about it last, it's the first thing. And so what I want to talk about today is how prayer intersects with our mission and how vital it is to all of us. What does it do for us? If you want to write these down, there's a place in your bulletin. You, I may have already written it in there for you, but you can take notes if you want. I, I think the first thing that prayer does for us, it... Prayer is asking God to do impossible things through us. Things that are just humanly impossible are easy for God. And when we're praying, we're asking him to do something that we can't do on our own. And ironically, if you pray this prayer that Jesus explicitly told us to pray, send more workers, God may use you to answer your own prayer. So you've got to know that. But it's an interesting thing. When you try to connect with your neighbors, all of a sudden you're realizing, man, this is harder than I thought it'd be. I need God's help. I just know the truth about me. Um, I mean, I try to do a good job speaking every morning, but I do not have the power to transform anybody's life. Sorry if you expected me to do that for you. I can't. I can't change anybody's life. I can't give you purpose and meaning in your life. You can't either. But Jesus can do all of those things. So I think we've got to ask him to do that for our friends, right? And we're asking God to do the impossible. Again, I can like hear the voice in your head like, that's good, Brian. You're a pastor. You pray. Because it doesn't matter. I'm not, I can't do this. I can't be the person who shares. Like, I'm not an apostle. They, they were good at this. I'm not. Can I just be honest with you? I'm not being disrespectful to the apostles in the Bible, but they couldn't do it either. They were a mess. So if you're acquainted at all with the Bible, with Jesus' life, do you remember what the disciples were doing the night Jesus got arrested, Thursday night? They cut and run. And Peter stood up for one second. He tried to take that guy's head off, took his ear off. But after that, they just cut and run. Peter denied Jesus three times that night. I don't know who he is. He denied him with curses. When Jesus was executed, how many of the guys went to support him at his death? One. John. That was it. The other guys are in hiding. They're real world changers right there, right? 
If you say, could they change the world? No, they could not. Jesus rose from the dead. 40 days later, he meets with them one last time, and he's talking to them, and he says what we read at the beginning of the service in Acts 1.8. I want you to be my witnesses, but I want to back out and see the whole thing that he said to them. These guys who had denied him, who had cut and run, who didn't stand with him, Jesus said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You're not going to do it yourself, guys. There's a power from God that you're going to have to tap into. This actually happened 10 days later. So if you think about the timeline, Jesus is crucified here at Passover. We call it Easter. 40 days later, he meets with the disciples, and he says, I want you to be my witnesses. 10 days later, the disciples are in a room in Jerusalem together, and what he talked about happened. 50 days after Jesus was crucified. It's the Feast of Pentecost. Hundreds of thousands of people are in Jerusalem celebrating Pentecost. There's this huge sound of a wind like, like a tornado. And people come running from everywhere. They're like, where's the damage? And there is no damage. What had actually happened is the disciples were in this room. The Holy Spirit came upon them and it sounded like this rushing wind. There were fire tongues over their head. It was just wild. They start preaching and speaking in different languages that they'd never learned. So obviously this crowd, thousands of people are like, what's going on here? And Peter gets the attention of the crowd and he's going, guys, guys, listen to me. I'll tell you what's going on here. And they start saying, are you guys drunk? And Peter's like, it's nine in the morning. We're not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit doing this. Peter preaches this amazing sermon. Preaches to thousands of people and says, guys, Jesus was the son of God and you killed him. Way to go. This is the guy who denied Jesus just a month and a half before. And now he's boldly preaching. That day, it says, Peter gets to the end of the sermon and they're like, oh man, we killed God. What do we do? Peter said, here's what you do. Acts 2.38. You need to repent. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And God will forgive your sins and he'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Anybody know how many people got baptized that day? 3,000 people accepted the message. And they got into water and they were baptized that day. That's day one of the church, by the way. If you wonder where the church started, right there. At the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago. A bunch of guys who were hiding and scared. And it's just a starting point. By the time you get to Acts chapter 4... It's just a few months later, it says there's now over 5,000 men in the church. They're not even counting the women and children at that point because there's probably like 20,000 people in total if you include the men and the women. It's crazy. It says the apostles continued to preach and teach about Jesus with great power. That didn't come from them. They weren't gifted communicators and creative marketing people. This is the power of God working through them. Just a few years later, by the time you get to Acts chapter 8, scholars tell us about the time that persecution broke out in the church at Jerusalem and everybody scattered. They think there was as many as 100,000 Christians in Jerusalem. It's like half the city is getting up and going to church to worship Jesus every Sunday. Uh, 200,000 people, half of them. Amazing. How does that happen? What are we now? 2,000 years later, it's like 2.5 billion Christians on the planet. How does that happen? It's not us. It's the power of God through us. And we access that same power when we pray. So if you're thinking, I can't do this, you're right, you can't. But God can. And, uh, you know, it's all you're doing when you pray is acknowledging that. As much as I try to you know, serve my neighbor and go visit him in the hospital and try to share my story really well, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to God, doing what only God can do. Is there somebody in your life right now that you're connecting with I hope you're praying for, you're serving, and you just don't feel like you're getting anywhere with them. 
and you're getting desperate. Maybe for some of you, you're, you're related to that person, and you're feeling like, okay, it's time to bring out the big guns. I'm going to start nagging them. You really ought to go to church. Are you really going to skip again? You start pestering them. Can I just tell you it doesn't work? <laughs> it really doesn't. You can nag and pester, or you can just sick the Holy Spirit on that person. Just pray that God starts working on their heart. It works so much faster and better. I guarantee it. When you pray and ask God to speak through you, it just unlocks a whole new dimension. Like, I experience this talking to you every Sunday. There'll be sometimes that somebody will come to me and say, Brian, man, what you said last week when you said blah, 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 I was just like, wow, that's great. It really helped me. Here's what I'm thinking. I didn't say that last week. You've been watching Joel Osteen? I, I have no idea where you heard that, but it was not something I said. Here's what's really happening. I'm preaching, I'm reading the word of God to you, and the Holy Spirit is telling you something you need to hear. And the same thing can happen for you as you just, you just talk and make yourself faithful and obedient to God and pray and let God work. And I've seen this happen so many times. I had a friend named Mel. Awesome guy. Mel spent his entire life denying God. And I don't want you to think badly of him because he was, really was a good husband. He was a great guy, very nice. You'd like him. You just didn't have any time for God, for Jesus, just was not going to do any of that, didn't care. Um, Mel had a wonderful wife, Pauline, who was a Christian. And she'd go to church every Sunday, and she didn't nag him, she didn't pester him, but she did pray for him. He had no idea. God can outweigh anybody. <laughs> Poor Mel didn't stand a chance. Mel gets into his 60s, and I don't know what happened. I guess it was just all the prayers the change of life, something. One day he just said, you know what? I think there's something to this. And got baptized. And I think in the water at some point around there, he says what I've heard so many people say, why did I wait so long to do this? Look, you and I cannot change anybody, but God can. And that's why I'm telling you, the first thing you got to do is hit your knees and you got to be praying for the people that you care about and don't give up. You think, well, I prayed and prayed, nothing's happening. How about praying for decades for your husband, and it doesn't happen for three or four or five decades? Don't give up, because God cannot wait anybody. And uh, here's something else I think prayer does for us, and I want you to keep this in mind. When we pray, God opens our eyes to opportunities that we would never have seen otherwise. So God does the impossible, and then he helps us see things that we couldn't have seen otherwise. You might think, well, I'm not really good at praying, and I, I don't know what to say, so... If that's you, you're, just understand, first of all, you can't pray wrong. There's, that's like, you're talking to your Father in heaven. You can't screw it up. But, okay, I get it. Sometimes you're like, I don't know what to say. If that's true, you need to come back next week. We're starting a series on prayer. We're just going to start at 101. Literally, what do you say when you pray? Is there there's things I shouldn't say? Is there something I should be saying? But I want you to understand that when you pray, there's something in the Bible that actually would help you as you're, in terms of praying for people that you don't think are connected to God. Go ahead and give you an example. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. The Apostle Paul wrote this to some people who are Christians already, and he said, I want you to pray for me. And here's why I want you to pray. Pray that God may open a door for our message about Jesus so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. You say, I would pray, but I don't even know what to say. Well, here's what Paul says. Pray for an open door. Pray that you will recognize that God's saying, this is your time to speak. Is it time to go, God? Yes, go. Pray for that. Pray that you know when it's time to be quiet. And pray that you recognize the friends that you need to spend more time with and share with. Rick Warren says it this way. He says, prayer makes me aware. And not only does it bring God into the process, it makes me think about these people. And when I'm praying for the needs of my family, I'm aware of the needs of my family. And when I'm praying for my neighbors, I'm aware of the needs of my neighbors. And that's how the whole thing works. And, and that is, 
prayer opens our eyes to opportunities. It makes us sensitive to the needs of the people around us where we otherwise just blow right on past. I'll give you a great example of this. A guy named uh, Scott Sauls, he's a pastor in a church, and he saw somebody in his church do something really cool. Just, this lady was on mission because she'd been praying for opportunities. She was in line picking her children up from the children's class after church, and uh, all the parents were lined up in this classroom waiting for the kids to be brought out. And she saw another mom, a few people ahead of her in line. This first-time guest, her name was Janet. And she was waiting for her kids to be brought out. And this mom who was watching this watched the teacher come out and pull Janet aside. Remember, first time at church. And um, she quietly talked to her, but this lady in line still heard the conversation. She said, we really loved having your boys in class today, but we did have a couple of problems. Um, they, they were fighting with the other kids. There was some yelling. They broke some toys. No big deal. We love them. We want them to come back. But at this point, Janet, the mom, see her boys come in. She starts screaming at them in front of everybody. And she's yelling at them. And how dare you do this? And I told you guys to behave yourself. And then all of a sudden, she just goes blank. Really like, Not blank, obviously. Whole room's quiet. Filled with parents and kids. And they're just like, whoa, that just happened. <laughs> And then Janet grabs her boys and she stomps out. She's embarrassed. She's humiliated. And to this mom who's standing in line, she's like, she's not coming back. So this mom was awesome, though. She called the church office the next day and said, that new lady, can you tell me her name and address? Did she fill out a card? Yeah. I want to write her a note. So here's the note she wrote. I love this note. This is cool. She said, dear Janet, I'm so glad you and your boys visited our church. Oh, and you know that little exchange when you picked your kids up from the nursery? Let's just say I found that refreshing. (laughs) that you would feel the freedom to speak with an honest vocabulary like that in church. Some of you have very honest vocabularies too. You you can relate. (laughs) This woman said, I'm really drawn to honesty, and you are clearly an honest person. I hope we can become friends. And they did. They got together for coffee. Janet kept coming to church. Over time, Janet became the nursery director at that church. And as she was part of the church life for several years, she felt more comfortable sharing the, like, the rest of her story. And she said, you know that first day that I got there? I'm a recovering heroin addict. And that was one of my first days in recovery. And I was just, stress level was just up to here. You think she would have ever come back if that mom hadn't been on mission and said, I appreciate that you were here and I want you to come back? How many of us would have just blown right by that or just watched it for the entertainment factor? and let it go, but she was praying, and she was on mission, and that's what we do. We pray, and we say, God, open my eyes to the opportunities that other people will miss, because I'm I'm saying to God, I'm available. You can use me to be the person that's going to be kind to this person who needs it, and that's what happens, and it's just such a great thing. I I got one more thing that kind of occurs to me when we pray, and that is when you pray, especially when you pray for other people, what you're saying to them is, I care about you. It's It's just an incredible thing to say to somebody could I pray for you? In my experience, and I don't think it's just because I'm a pastor, I have never, ever had somebody say to me, no, you can't pray for me. No. Like it matters. How are you going to stop me? Am I right? But still, no one's ever, even an atheist will say, well, I don't think there's anything there to talk to, but you know, can't hurt. Go ahead. Like, what it says is, like, I care about you, and I'm going to pray for your problems. So, you know, if, if somebody shares something with you and they trust you enough to open up and say, here's a, here's a problem I'm experiencing. And you say, I'm a person who prays. Next time I'm praying, could I pray about that? It says two things to that person. By the way, can I just give you one thing that's a little pet peeve of mine? 
If you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, don't lie to them. Pray for them, right? Don't say, oh, I'll pray for you. And it's to, don't make it just words. Actually do it. Like, send yourself an email if you have to. That's what I do. Or write it down. Do something. And don't take the cop out of, as you're walking away, just pray a quick prayer for that person. Go some other time and pray for that person. But when you do that, two things. What you're saying is, I care about you, and I know someone who can do something about your problem, and I'm going to put you in touch with him. And it's an amazing thing to say to somebody. Gosh, I'm actually kind of out of time, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. I want to give you a couple things that are real practical about this prayer thing, because I don't want you to walk out of here just saying, oh, that was great, that's cool. I want you to walk out of here being on mission, and I want you to start by being a person who prays this week. So let me give you two things that you can do. And this one is something you can actually do this afternoon. First of all, I want to suggest you go on a prayer walk. Prayer walk. Again, it's, it's a nice day today. It's a little cool, but it's fall, so it's, that's to be expected. You can go on a prayer walk this afternoon and just go, what in the world is that? So it's where you go through your neighborhood and you pray for people as you're walking. Maybe you're at work and you just walk through the cube farm or you walk through the offices, whatever, and you just pray. Now, remember one of the things that we've been talking about here that's really important is don't be weird. So you don't go in front of somebody's house and raise your hands and start singing hallelujah. You don't, you don't go up and lay your hands on somebody's shoulders while they're working. That's just creepy. So don't be weird. You can walk the neighborhood and pray with your eyes open and just, you're walking past the house. I know these people. God just blessed them, blessed their family. You know, he's looking for another job, help him find one. You move on. I don't know the people who live there, God, but I'd kind of like to meet them. Maybe give me an opportunity to meet them. And you're walking through work. I know this guy's really struggling with this project. God, give him the energy to get it done. Whatever. It's a very simple thing. Nobody even has to know you're doing it. But a prayer walk. It's a very um, powerful way to open yourself up to what God wants to do through you. Here's a second thing. Set your alarm to pray at 10.02. Say, well, what in the world is 10.02? Remember the verse we read just a little bit ago? Luke 10.2, where Jesus says, Pray to the Lord in charge of the harvest to send out workers. So at 10.02, right? So actually, this is one you can do right now. Would you, if you have a smartphone, would you take it out? And if, go ahead, I don't see you guys doing it. You have permission right now. You have to put it away after this, or otherwise the teacher will take it till the end of class. But if you can find the alarm feature on your phone, set yourself an alarm for 10.02. You say a.m. or p.m. I don't care. Do both. 10, nobody should be woken up at 10 in the morning unless, like, you know, your shift work or whatever. But set yourself an alarm. Make it repeat every day. Your alarm goes off at 10.02, and you look at your phone and go, oh, it says prayer, because that's what you label it, prayer. You take five seconds, and you say, Lord, help me be open to the people around me. Or, Lord, help me uh, talk to my friend Jim. He's been talking a lot about, you know, you help me know what to say. Boom, you're done. 10.02, we're all going to be praying, right? So Tim Harlow, he's the, the pastor who developed this series, Life on Mission, up in Chicago. He said, that in their church, they're all doing this too. And he said he was in a staff meeting with a bunch of guys, and everybody's phone went off at 10.02, except one guy. He said it was really awkward. That guy no longer works here, but to do this. Actually set your alarm for 10.02, and this way we're all in sync. We're all on the same page. We're all praying for the opportunities that God sets before us. You know, I'm doing this. I want you to know this is, my heart is that this continues on. That we're a church that is always helping people come to find God. And that all starts, so many good things come into the world, and they're from God, and it all starts with our prayers to Him. In fact, uh, I wouldn't, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't pray right now for all this. So can, can we all stand up and uh, 
we'll be singing here a song in just a second, but let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for uh, just the incredible love you have for us through Jesus. A love that compelled you to come here and be one of us. That's what Jesus did. Literally became one of us and lived this life that we could learn from and emulate. But it was a life of love. And I, I pray that you would teach us to love each other. We've, we've done a great job of disobeying you and we've done a great job of hurting each other. And we're trying to turn that around with your help. So today, Father, I pray that you would help us all to care about what you care about. Pray for people who are hurting and in pain or just in uh, trouble and not knowing what to do, that they would turn to you and they would find support from you, from this church family. And Father, I want to pray finally that if anybody doesn't know what it means to have Jesus as Lord, that today would be the day they would change that. I pray this all in Jesus' name.